Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hallelujah. Hi, everybody. It's August 23rd, 2018, and it's time for my private audio call tonight. Our special guest speaker is Bill Henshaw. He's going to give us an update. Hi, Bill. Oh, hi, Angela. Thanks for having me on again. I'll have some oh. funny comments to make about what's happened before it goes, but the first part of my introduction tonight. Okay, we've got to speak right into your microphone t- because we can't bear You're, you're yeah. like fading away. Oh, really? Yeah, speak um, right into okay, your mic. On. Okay. Okay, is this too better on speakerphone? Uh, no. No. Okay. Go back. Okay, we'll try that again. How's this? Much better. It better? Yes. Oh, good. Okay. So anyway, glad to be here. And like I say, you've had some good uh, like you had back in January and March. Really? Wow, I'm in San Francisco. I don't know I why. Okay. Well, it's not working. Okay, let me try. Hold on. Just... All right. Call on your phone. All right. So I'm going to get a call to you on another phone. We'll see if we can do better. Well, go back to wow, the speakerphone. Be... Let's try that again. Okay, well, I'm doing that while the other call is coming in. My friend's phone may be much better. I've had no problem here up until now. Oh, no, you're fading in and out on there, too, so. Okay, hold on. We're working on the phone here. Hold on. Okay, you know, Bill, you can plug right into the phone on TalkShoe and use their phone if you're on your headset through your computer. Well, we have a We may end up doing that. We may end up doing that. But you have a call coming in on my friend's phone here. If it's better, we'll use that. All right. Oh, what a screw up. He's dialing it now, so hold on. I think it's Okay. Good. Is that French fry? Goodness, let me move around to this. Is his name Is he does he go by the name French Fry? Uh you use French Fry? No, I don't think so. Uh, but nine three three two five. Well, I'm not seeing. Momentarily. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing his number. Um, but he has to. Okay, when he, when he comes on, he has to put his hand up. French fry. Hold on. Well, well maybe French no, fry. Why? Or something. No, four. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. He's dialing. Gonna use the other. All right, French fry. Little mustard on them French fries for me. Did you want to say oh. something, French Fry? I guess we can't hear French Fry. I'm sorry. I, I, I snow. Wow. Can't hear you. Oh, My well. My goodness. <laughs> okay, call's coming in. It should be ringing now. you got to put the stuff in there, the information. But Okay, um, then. But go yeah, ahead and talk. You sound nine, pretty three. good right now. Oh, okay. Well, fine. I'll stand where I am for the. Okay, well, I'll stay where I am for the time being. Uh, so, like I say, already an interesting start uh, to a session. I'm going to start off with a 
you know, because I've had some bluebirds finally come after me. It's taken a long time, but you know it's going to happen. Like, guys, all right, you know what? Let's let's just wait, Bill. Let's just wait till your friend calls in because you're fading out. Okay, hold on. Okay, wow. call coming in on a, a landline. That should help. Hold on. Landline is 587- Oh, yeah. 5870343. Okay, 587-0343. Landline call coming. Damn. <laughs> oh, Lord. I think you just gave out his phone number over the air. and Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Oh, um, you're quite right about that. <clears throat> okay, anyway. <laughs> Okay, well, he's not, he's not worried about it. So Okay, good. Okay. So, <laughs> call is coming in. We'll see what we can do here. Jeez, okay. Please. Uh, okay, but once once he calls in, call. he has to put his hand up. Otherwise, I won't see him. Right, I got that. Okay. Okay, so you got to enter the 39904. Yeah, they're, they're prompting him to do that now. Hold okay, on. good. Okay, and then they'll prompt you to do a uh, star one, I think, or a one star. Enter your pin followed by the pound key. No, 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 never mind that. Just listen. All he's got to do is press one and the pound key, or vice versa. Yeah, one, yeah, one, one pound. Alright. Okay, it's coming. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> what do you mean it's invalid? <laughs> yeah, one pound. Did it ask him if he doesn't have a talk to account? Yeah, he just what? put in. Yeah, he just. Now it says this episode is being recorded live now. Okay, he should yes, be on now. So hit. Uh, yeah, okay, hit star two. Press one. Star. Oh. Just let him do what the prompts tell him to do. Because all, okay, I got all changed, I think, since. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Should he hit a star two to get your attention? No. <laughs> okay, well, he says he's online. I don't know. What, wow. He's supposed to put his hand up. Can he raise his hand? Is it show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star two. Okay. So yeah, what is how that work? I don't even know anymore. Oh, okay. There he is. Four one five. Yep, I see. Yeah, that should be. Now you're unmuted. Okay, I'm gonna go away. And and I'm on the phone now, waiting for Bill to use my landline. Okay, we have an echo. All right, here is Mr. Bill Henschel, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bill Cook, as he says. <laughs> All right, he's getting his pad. <laughs> Okay. All right, here, Angela, here he is. Thank right. you so much. We'll see. Is this any better? Not really, but try it. Let's see. Wow. Wow. Okay, let me send. Well, up it's it's over. it's better. It's consistent. It just sounds like you're in the another room. All right, well, it looks but like it's better it's okay. here than I would love to. But all right, well, yeah, you can it's, hear it's, me. Um, yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Well, boy, interesting. Uh, no, it's I. <laughs> We'll see. Okay, let me get started here. Um, and like I said, I'm kind of starting out in a little bit of an unusual mode because I said the bluebirds are starting to come out. Uh, and you know that's going to come sooner or later. Uh, what are bluebirds? Yeah. And I've been getting complaints because I haven't had a lot of what people recognize as quote-unquote wins in court, 
which wouldn't you know is now the new name for my – you'll get the information on this from my uh, website. We're going to change it from constitutional crisis to that, and I'll have some other changes to be made too. So, Angela, right now it's called the, – the YouTube channel now is called Win in Court. Yeah, that's what it is. YouTube is Win in Court. We'll get more into that later. But anyway, I just want to tell people that I'm, I'm going to do something government doesn't do, which is explain my terms. Because per se, and I'm going to now make up a document, and I'll send people with new orders if they want to request it, you know, what my record is. Because I don't technically have a lot of what you would call wins in court, quote-unquote. The primary reason for it being that the other side refuses to engage me. They just dismiss the charges. You walk away. You don't get anything on the record. For the most part, that's the big reason. I got a big win in South Carolina, as everybody knows who's a regular listener, and I won two labor arbitrations. Uh, to be sure, and those are big ones. And I'm on the cusp here of having some big-time wins offensively. We've discussed this previously. I actually have to file a lawsuit in Rosted. I can't believe they're making me do this. But they're going to pay for it because now with what I've done and with the new subpoena packets I'll talk about later, now we're going to set an unopposed record that's going to survive a 12B6 motion if they have status even to bring one. And once we do that, the ball game is over because they've got to go into court. No affirmative defenses, no immunity. That gets them to the bargaining table because they don't want this to go on the record with the kind of win I'm going to get. It's going to be a biggie. And I was talking to my friend about that. I was reviewing the case of uh, Rod Class. Many of you probably know he just won a case in the Supreme Court of the United States. And I read that the next day, and I said, what the hell did they decide here? I couldn't get it because he pleaded, if you don't know, he pleaded guilty uh, to a crime committed in Washington, D.C. for what that may be worth and then wanted to take an appeal and challenge you know, some of the things that went on there. And the court actually ruled in his favor, but they didn't rule on anything because for those of you who don't know, the court also ruled, and they know this very well, at the Supreme Court there is no right to an appeal in any criminal case. Cases McCain v. Durston, 153 U.S. 684. So I can't figure out, you know, what that case got there for. Uh, it's a puzzle to me, that whole thing. And, yeah, that's a win, but I'm, I'm inclined to call that a quote-unquote win, as opposed to what would have happened in my South Carolina case if they would have acted on my 18-page hand-printed writ of habeas corpus while I was alone in that jail cell. That would have been a win for the ages with the issues I was raising. That's the kind of win I want to get. But at the same time, I recognize people just want to win their traffic or cages and get the hell out of there or wherever they are with whatever agency it is. I understand that. And the more of those we get, the more leverage we're going to get now to get our big issues decided. Because you go to the 90 parts and you say, wait a minute, your internal rules, not anywhere in their 1,000-page book on Supreme Court practice, by the way, is that they'll take a case if it's capable of repetition yet evading review. And, boy, if you can't ever say that for traffic courts, tax courts, you name it, because the right questions never get there, and they know it. It's how the system works one way or the other, and that's part of the strength I have. I know better than they do how the damn system works and how to get around it. And I'm on the cusp here. Um, you know, with the Merced case, I've got a second Merced case, two in Solano, and one here in San Francisco. And they're all going to go up on the same thing. And say, wait a minute here, uh, you've exercised jurisdiction you don't have and or prevented courts from exercising jurisdiction it does have. The Supreme Court identifies that as treason, and so do I. 
And this is where the leverage is going to come into play because this stuff has to stop. I don't know when. I don't know how. And it's gotten worse, by the way. I just learned a week ago that California is about to implement mandatory e-filing, at least for all quote-unquote civil cases. That may or may not be true criminal. I haven't got that far yet. But in effect, that's going to keep us out, courtesy of the State Bar Association, yet again, rules, regulations, and all this BS. So we can't even go in there offensively, as I'm attempting to do now, unless we satisfy their requirements. That's a declaration of war. Plain and simple, if that's the way it is, they're going to keep us out of the courts altogether. We're not represented in the legislature. We don't have any representation in the governor's office. What the hell are we supposed to do? And we're the ones that have the rights. We're the ones that have created this nation, the lawful de jure, just sent Gwyneth state citizens, and we can't get anywhere. What does that tell you? And we get to the Supreme Court and say, this is all your fault. We have no peaceful remedies here unless you start reversing or at least distinguishing your earlier decisions so that they don't apply to us. This is how serious this business is getting. And I'm not one of those. That, and, in fact, I found uh, a document the other day. If I didn't send it to you, Angela, I will from the FBI, a domestic terror alert. And that's the reason I spent actually seven months in total, but five months in Columbia, South Carolina, while the feds were trying to build a case against me that they never could do, and they left them holding the bag in Columbia. Can I prove it? Not yet, and it doesn't matter in terms of settling the case, but this is why the FBI terror alert that says the terrorists out there make constant references to the Constitution, you know, or white supremacists, or this, that, and the other. You look at this memo, and I, I probably hit hit fit eight of the ten categories they're describing here, and most of us probably do as well. They think we're domestic terrorists now. I'm surprised I haven't been thrown in jail for that yet. I'm just waiting. In fact, I'm going to send a letter to Jeff Sessions and say, hey, Jeff, while you're at it with the uh, complaint I sent you, 34 counts of treason against Moonbeam up here in Sacramento and Tawny in the state Supreme Court, you know, why don't you go ahead and take me into custody as a non, as a uh, enemy alien? And we'll see how far that goes. You know, send me to get my, we'll see who walks out of there. I'm almost at the point to do that because I don't, my Lord, if we can't win with the issues that we have, unopposed issues, and that's the beauty of what I'm doing now because the subpoena packet, now, see, they're starting to not file documents here in California. First time this has happened, and I just had occasion to be at our local court here, and I asked the uh, Superior Court Executive Officer about that, and they claim they haven't received any written orders to start doing that, and yet it's happening. And I don't know on what authority, by whom, but we're going to be issuing subpoenas to a lot of people, the two I've already mentioned, and some other people, and get them into court because we have a right to confront and cross-examine our accusers, don't we? Even in their system, we have a right to do it. So especially in traffic court, the cop ain't your accuser. He doesn't know Jack Taco about the law. He hasn't been instructed properly. The governor, who has the duty to see the laws are faithfully executed, does have the duty to do that. And that's true whether he's a state governor or a territorial governor. In the latter case, that comes under Article 2, Section 3, Constitution of the United States. That duty devolves upon him the same as it does the president. So that's how we're going to get him in there. And if they file a motion to quash the subpoena, because these are going to get filed, now we come back and we hit them with everything I have. It's going to be close to 200 pages in opposition to that motion. If we lose, now it's on the record. Now we go right to the 904s and say, do your job here. You know better than this. This is all your fault. 
and our stuff is unopposed, and we've got every issue I have on the record. What the hell are they going to do? Now, I haven't figured that one out yet. But By the way, how's the reception? Are we still good here? Yeah, sounds fine. Good, okay. Sounds good. All right, well, we'll see. So anyway, the point is I go for the big win. I get that. I do it every time, and that's a lot of intimidation against them because they know that if we win one case on these issues, one case, game over. Now, that's a binding precedent for every agency there is, and that's where we're going to have them because it's just one case, the same issues across the board. doesn't matter who it is does not matter. They don't have any authority and can't prove that they do. Can you imagine one of those people bringing in a certified copy of his appointment to office by the president? They probably wouldn't understand what the hell that is, let alone be able to do it. So, and here I am, geez, I'm ranting and raving and talking like an optimist, and those of you that don't know, I'm a pathological pessimist. But this direction, I, I look at it and I say to myself, how in the world, even with all the corruption we know they have in that system, how do they get around this? So anybody has an idea about that, I would love to hear it. And speaking of which, I want to entertain as many questions as possible tonight. I love to answer questions, and I don't have all the answers. Nobody does that. But i got more than my share. And I know it's a tough thing to get into, and there's a lot you don't understand. And we're reevaluating the whole system. What I do, we're going to make some more educational videos and do some things that we haven't been doing up till now to make it easier for people to understand. You know, when you get into their system, if you have to go into, quote, unquote, their courts, what you do and how you do it. So we have some big hopes for that. And like I say, there will be changes that are coming about Labor Day. We're working on them right now to make them. And we're going to get it done. And then the offensive end, we get there, we file what look like civil rights complaints. That's to get around all the BS you have with filing complaints here and the civil cover sheet and all this crap. Well, they're going to look like that to get them filed. And now the other side is going to have to answer or move to quash the offensive complaint. And they do that. Now they're going to get the same thing they would have with the subpoenas, the whole nine yards, and saying, wait a minute. Here's the real case. We're making common law claims here and a common law state. Can you please tell me where and how that changed if you're going to take the position that doesn't exist anymore? Another question they can't answer. So, yeah, I'm, uh, wow, I've been kind of worked up today. It's been an interesting couple of days, trust me. Uh, it has. Sounds but I love like it. This is voluntarily taken. Yeah. So, you know, that said, let's see, where are we here? Oh, by the way, just so you know, people out there, with, well, I haven't had any quote-unquote wins in court. In the four decades I'm doing this, never spent a day in jail as a result of a quote-unquote conviction, haven't paid a cent in fines, haven't paid a cent in insurance for your conveyance, what they call them vehicles. Never done any of those things. They have not been able to manage to get me to do it because their laws are unenforceable. When you start making the right issues and the right status, and sooner or later in the right jurisdiction, that's going to be a federal circuit court, in a state court, concurrent jurisdiction, those exist. Constitution mandates it. Supreme Court recognizes it. Why can't we get there? Yeah. Now you know, because once we do that, the ball game is over. Because in the judicial court, they recognize our status, they recognize our rights, and the limits on government. And that's what I've dedicated the last 12 years of my life all in to do. So those of you that look at me and complain, say, well, you haven't got any wins. Well, just give me a little time here the way things are going, and I'm going to have more than you can count on the offensive side. 
but we just can't get them the other way because of what they do. They run and hide, and they know that they can't beat issues that I present. And that's part of the strength of what I present there. Uh, well, we'll see about that. So let's see. We talked about that. Oh, I should mention. Oh, by the way, here's another key one that I got from Ayn Rand, and I'm a big fan of hers. She had a terrific newsletter that published 50 years ago. If I had known her when she was in her prime when I was in high school, my life would have been different. But she had a guy that has the same attitude that I have, and he did it in a much more dangerous society. His name is Dean Delone. You can Google him, D-E-L-O-N-E. And he got convicted when he went out with some friends and and demonstrated in Red Square when the Russians went into Czechoslovakia in 1968 to suppress the revolution there. And they got rid of them in about five minutes. Red Guards had him out, took him out, threw him in jail, convicted him, threw him out in Siberia. And at the end of the trial, the judge gave him, finally gave him two minutes to say something. And you know what Vadim Delon said? This is communist Russia we're talking about here. This takes guts. He said, Judge, for three minutes, I felt free in Red Square. For that, I'm ready to take you five years. That's wow. a hell of a statement to make in that distance. But it's what I'm doing here, and it's what I'm teaching. You do, in effect, the same thing, maybe not as brusquely as what he did. But we're saying, we don't care what you do. We know what our rights are. We know what this society is. And I'm willing to take any risk I have to in order to get it back. Now, some of you with families and all that can't do all that I can do. I get that, too. But I can help you to do it in ways less confrontational and equally effective. So to take, you know, regain control of your life, teach your kids how to take control of their lives so that this doesn't happen to them. You know, I'm doing it the best way I can. I've devoted my life to it, like I say, last 12 years, four decades overall, and I've loved every minute of it. No complaints here at all. But I take it very seriously and... You know, I just knew if I had known 50 years ago, I, I, I knew even then I sensed something was wrong, but I didn't get it. In fact, I was so damn stupid when I was 19 years old. What do I do? I enlisted in the Marine Corps at the height of the Tet Defense. How stupid is that? You know, if I had known then what I know now, maybe I'd file a lawsuit and stop the war in Vietnam. And they almost had a case that got to the Supreme Court by the state of Massachusetts. And that would have been an entity they would have had to listen to. But you need four four votes for the court to hear it. And over the summer, wouldn't you know, Justice Harlan passed away and Hugo Black, one of my top ten, in fact, both of them are in my top ten, passed away. Two votes that they would have had to hear the case. And they brought in uh, Rehnquist and who is the other guy? I can't think right now. Oh, Lewis Powell. Both pretty good justices, but Nixon appointees. So they never got the war before the U.S. Supreme Court. And I say war, quote, unquote because they would have had to rule on the constitutionality of a U.N. peacekeeping effort if it were properly presented. And I think we win that case. There's no business we had over there in Vietnam, absolutely none, just like the Russians had no business in Czechoslovakia in 1968, remarkably similar time frame, by the way. But, yeah, that's what goes on there, and wouldn't you know, we just missed it for that reason. So just the way history went, I don't suspect anything you know, odd in the death of either of these justices, and for a conspiracy kook like me, that's saying something, but Hugo Black was 85, and Harlan hadn't been in good health for years, and wouldn't you know, they died within three weeks of each other. So it's just kind of the way it went. But picking up on threads like that, um, you know, you just have to realize, you know, when you do this at first particularly, and I'm going to be doing a lot more videos to help you, you know, interact with the clerk report and this, that, and the other, which will help a lot. 
but you're still going to have some frustration and still have some delays because they're not going to go away easily. I mean, we're 100% right here. The issues I have, you read my documents, the five main documents you'll get. You know, I'll tell you when, when I send them out and pack it in the email, read these five. Don't worry about my 70-page brief on new states. You'll get to that later. They're all right, and they all go mesh together. That's my job is to get people to see that perspective is how everything comes together. It took me a long time. Hell, it took me almost four decades. I'm a slow learner. But luckily, with what I'm doing, you can do it in a heck of a lot less time than that and get far ahead of your local DA and judges and what have you, and that intimidates them. That's what it is we're supposed to be able to do, and I did it in South Carolina. I wish I had a video of that. That'd be worth a million dollars. See how you shut them up, and I'm standing there alone in the red jail suit, manacled hand and foot, and they're the ones in trouble with the law, and they knew it. That's what we need to do a lot more of. Geez, I just wish they had made videos, but they didn't, unfortunately. But you see that go into effect, and you never want to have that taken away again. That's our power. It's what we have. It's the only nation that's ever been devised like that, where one person can make a difference. One of us. Don't believe me? Listen to Chief Justice John Marshall out of Cohen's Against State of Virginia, 6 Wheaton 264, page 404. Oh, not 404, by the way. It's earlier than that. But it's in this case where he said that the Constitution gave to every person a right to present his case to the court of the nation no matter how small a man's claim nor how little interest the community in its outcome, the framers thought it important in the interest of justice to create a tribunal as superior to influence as possible in which that claim might be decided. That's John Marshall. When I first read that in those Destio Law libraries years ago, I broke down and cried. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not what we have now, and we need to begin to start asking questions as to why that's not true, because they recognize then, no matter what the violation, if you violated the Constitution, it's the job of the Supreme Court to step up and say so. You know, that's our, one of our biggest remedies, and we don't have it at, the, at this moment in time. Now all they take are discretionary writs of certiorari and statutory writs of habeas corpus. Don't waste your time with that. Statutory writs, what the hell, on uh, the actual innocence they won't issue a writ to get you out of jail. That's how bad it is, and my documents prove that. I mean, it's not me saying it. You read it from the Supreme Court. I got five cases on that subject, maybe more now, where they told people, in effect, you know, you're screwed. You know, we don't care about you. We don't care about your rights. But they used the damn statutory writ. And a big case, by the way, is Ex parte McArdle. Some people actually recognize that case, even though it never got decided. That goes back to uh, 1867. And it's at 7 Wall 506, which I believe is – we're going to think about this one to get you number But 7 Wall 506, you can Google it. And if you want to you know, request information from me, you know, send in to my email. Uh, well, I want to say C-C-A-S-P-A-R-I at L-I-V-E dot com, and you can do that. But, you know, you win in court at gmail.com will now work too. And I will send you the McArdle case, and you'll see that the Supreme Court heard it decided it, ruled against the uh, Reconstruction Act of 1867, which effectively takes out the 14th War Amendment because it's the legislatures under those that act, military act, that ratified the 14th Amendment. It didn't happen because the court said unconstitutional, but Congress passed an emergency act. It must have been a hell of an emergency to take appellate jurisdiction away from the court 
and they were cowardly enough then to let them get away with it. But we know what happened then, and we know that that 14th Amendment isn't here. And by the way, there's a lot more reasons than just this one. And without that 14th Amendment, they got nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now we're back to state citizenships, back to creator-endowed and alienable rights, back to defined and limited powers of government. That's where I want to take it. And who knows, at this point I'll be turning 70 years old next month, and maybe I don't get across the Red Sea like Moses. But I will set a path that you can follow and achieve that objective and get it done and get our nation and republic back and get these idiots out of Washington, D.C., take all the power or most of it back, put it in the state capital in the counties, which is where a welfare benefit should be, by the way, not Washington, D.C. It would be a hell of a lot less expensive, more efficient, and easier to control. That's the kind of thinking we have to do. Well, I'm kind of running on here, which I didn't intend to do. But in any case, I do want to, again, encourage questions, whatever you may have along that line. I love to answer questions. So any of you there that have one, you know, please raise your hand, and I will get back to you promptly. That's what it is I do. Oh, goodness. That was a bit of a, more of a speech than I should have made there. But, you know, I, I had a really interesting couple of days here. My little sweetie has been victimized by... Um, Anyway, I had had the thing with, uh, 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 what do I say, domestic violence, and I don't know why she picked this person to get involved with to start with. We're going to be talking about that. I would have thought I taught her better over the years I had with her, but obviously I must have missed something. Are you talking <laughs> so, about your daughter? Well, my quote-unquote daughter, not biological. I don't have any biological children, and I made that decision really years ago before I knew what I know now, but I just understood instinctively that if I couldn't put a family first, it wasn't fair to a, to a mate or a wife or what have you to put someone in a position like that. I knew a long time before I actually realized it when I came to California in 1981 and I got thrown in jail in 82 and I couldn't figure out why I was in jail. I thought, gee, you're supposed to have done something bad, right? Boy, was I stupid. Uh, but when I started to study law, I realized uh, fully why I couldn't do that, and I'm the last of the line, so I guess the government's going to be glad to see that happen. No more family kooks running around there. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, and I do not consider that a sacrifice. Uh, certainly I miss it. I have kind of an insular life, but it's just kind of the way things are. But it's okay. Uh, the goal I'm seeking to achieve here is much greater and much more important than having a family. By the way, right. a really good one on that, if you're a fan of this kind of thing, I have a Someone gave me a miniseries on John Adams, of all people, not my favorite president. But this was about his time in France in the 1770s. He was away from Abigail and four very young children. And, of course, no phones, no email, no nothing. That had to have been extremely hard. I hope Abigail, I think I ought to read some of the correspondence. I hope that she understood that he understood what I just said. Trying to get the nation you know, established here was more important than family and at a time when that just didn't occur. So I have a lot of respect for John Adams for doing that. He was there with Franklin and Jefferson, as you that know your history will know that. The weird thing about that, given what ended up being the Treaty of Paris in 1783, because uh, you look at that and you see who signed that treaty, which was King George III, King of England. No problem, you would expect that. King George III, King of Ireland. No problem, you would expect that. King George III, King of France. What? When in the hell was he King of France? And if that's true, he must have been in the 1770s when Franklin Adams and uh, Jefferson were over there. And these were not stupid men. 
And they were over there asking the French government to help us in the American Revolution against King George. This is a whole different perspective on what may have been really going on there behind the scenes. You know, it, it, it certainly makes you wonder. And then you get Alexander Hamilton, who, if you don't know, uh, was not known by that name earlier. He was an agent in the city of London for the uh, bankers there. And he comes over and gets appointed as the first secretary of the treasury. And I'm willing to bet you behind the scenes, I don't have hard evidence, but that had a lot to do with the Treaty of Paris in 1783. You'll go ahead and get Washington to appoint him, set up the first bank of the United States for 20 years. And that was part and parcel, and that they did that. That's the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Well, you know, they pretty well controlled it for 20 years. And note the date, 1792. You do a little math here. You ever hear of the War of 1812? Now you know what the hell it was really about. And we got rid of the bank. It took them five years to get it back when Monroe gets in there in 1817, the second bank of the United States with Nicholas Biddle. And that goes for 20 years, and to his eternal credit, Andrew Jackson, my second favorite president, especially for this reason, ran his whole second election campaign on getting rid of the second bank, and he did it. He did it. He got rid of Biddle, got rid of the bank, and we had the biggest financial collapse we had had in the history up until that time, 1837, as a result. And you know, there were some people on the inside that knew this, uh, especially cohorts of Hamilton back in the Bank of London. And they gave a company you've never heard of uh, a lot of money to buy up stock short. The company is named George T. Peabody. You've never heard of them. You hmm. probably know the company that they later came to be known as, J.P. Morgan Guarantee Trust. That's how the bastards got to start to make all this money they've been amassing for the last almost 200 years because of that action with Nicholas Biddle and the Second Bank. And it took them another 75 to get the Federal Reserve Act enacted, which is a story for another day, trust me. And I can beat that one, too, on its face. Uh, and that's where you have these Federal Reserve notes circulating around in federal military districts with Congress delegating the power to the president to declare a state of emergency to allow them to circulate. Another powerful issue that says state versus territory. You can't circulate these in states. You can do it in territories. But then you have that same problem. How do they get? You know, how do they become territories after they were admitted as states? That's wow. That's an issue I would love to have them decide in the Supreme Court. Whether we get that one done, I don't know. But I would love to hear an opinion in opposition to mine, and mine's going to be unopposed. Never been opposed for what it's worth. Uh, it, you know, it is what it is. So I'm making all these comments. And notice I'm not doing this defensively. I'm not doing it, you know, like attorneys do, and they sometimes not. Not so politely, you know, in effect, tell you, you know, go to hell. We're the ones that have been to law school. We know the law. You don't get out of our case. Not how I work. And, in fact, I solicit that people have information that opposes what I have. I love to see it and go over it. And if I come to a different conclusion, I'm prepared to change. I always am. I always want to get as good as I can be. But at the same time, I respect what other people had to say. They've studied sometimes quite a bit, too, and we may have reached some different conclusions, but we can usually work that out as to why and get on the same page. And that makes it easier to get out there and, and network and get people together and do things. And the more of us we have, the more effective it gets. But the good news is just one can do this. And I just had this happen, by the way, two weeks ago. I had my trial in the crime of the century. Well, I actually had a trial for jaywalking, 
which I call crossing the street, which I've been doing since the first Eisenhower administration. How'd that go? About this. this was traffic court, right? And we get in there before the commissar, who knows me. And I don't think he's a bad guy. I've been in there four or five times, and those are the cases I've won, but they just threw the case out before we even, the last time it took me 15 seconds in and out. I didn't even have a chance to sit down. Well, he recognized me. The cop, to my amazement, showed up. But he happened to have another trial on this calendar. So for that reason, maybe he was there. He's a nice kid. We didn't have any problem at the scene of the crime, and we had a good chance to talk uh, as it happens during this event. And we were the only trial he ended up having, and the commissar disqualified himself and sent us over to the real court, the superior court. And I had an interaction there with the judge for about 40 minutes. It's, and here again, I wish we'd had a video of this, but it wasn't on the record. This is more or less what we're supposed to be getting, except that we're entitled to trial by jury. And I made some of my arguments. I said, hey, the problem is I have all these arguments. And he looked at the court record, and he saw that some of them had, in fact, been sent to the DA. And we went back and forth, and he just summarily denied everything. But the problem with this picture was the DA wasn't there. I said, listen, call down on the first floor and get him up here. He's supposed to be there. He's the one that has the job to refute what I'm saying. This is an adversarial form of government here. That means the DA not only is there, he has a sworn duty to sustain at least the government's burden of proof on jurisdiction and venue. For the judge to do that raises severe questions of separation of powers, delegation of authority, and being a neutral magistrate, which the Supreme Court has ruled you're supposed to be, even with 14th Amendment cases. But this guy made a good impression. He's going to get a very friendly letter from me, and, and, and I'm going to explain some things. In fact, those of you who want to copy this, you might want to get it. You can get to me on, on my new website, uh, win at court no, no, at gmail.com. You win in court. Yeah, you win in court at com. So, yeah, I'll be glad to send you a letter I'm going to send to this judge explaining exactly what happened and why he's not in any trouble. This was an, And he knew. He got it, what I was doing. I, one of the few judges I've ever seen that actually understood what I was doing because he said, you know, you want to con confront cross-examine the cop. And I said, I can't do it. The Supreme Court has said, you do that, you waive your jurisdiction argument. And he knew, the judge knew, that I knew that I had an affirmative defense there. I could have walked out of there, you know, with nothing. But it's much more important to make this case, and this judge must have studied some of the same cases I do. Not many of them get this, but he gets a lot of credit for that, uh, doing it. And we'll see what develops here, a uh, jaywalking conviction that's going to be going to the Supreme Court of the United States. And if that seems ludicrous on the surface, it's not. Those of you that you know, look it up, you can Google this. It's called Thompson v. Louisville, L-O-U-I-V-I-L-L-E, two, I think here. 362 U.S. 199, and that case comes out of a Louisville police court, pretty much the situation that I was in, where he didn't have any right to an appeal, and it was a $30 fine for loitering in a diner while waiting for a bus. And the Supreme Court took that, and wouldn't you know who wrote that? Hugo Black, one of my favorite justices. This is one of the reasons. And he said, yeah, the fines you know, were small that were imposed here, but the issues presented were substantial. And that's why we took the case. And that's what they should still be doing, you know, 60 years later. And they ruled and they reversed the conviction because they didn't have any evidence to convict him of anything. And that's the kind of argument I'll be making and say, hey, guys, you know about this Thompson case. Look it up. You got your law book there. If you don't know it, look it up. This is what we can do if we set it up correctly. That's my job to teach people how to do that. 
and become you know forceful opponents of government and to keep them in line. That's our job, is to enforce our rights and keep them in a position of trustee of the trust. See, we're the beneficiaries of the trust known as the United States, otherwise known as state citizens. We're the boss. We make the rules. They don't. That's why I'm so upset about this e-filing, where they now think they're going to be able to keep us out of any of their quote-unquote courts. And they can, by the way. There's a legislative tribunal. I don't have any problem with that. But I have a problem with the way how they got there, being territorial you know, legislative tribunals. How the hell did this happen? They're never going to beat me on that, and they'll never beat you on that either. There's no answer to that. There's absolutely zero. But it's just no one has ever thought to ask the questions that way. But the possible exception, by the way, of Robert Weingrich, from whom I learned a lot at RDR up in Oregon, who's passed away, I can't believe, 18 years ago I'm saying this. But how they did the research they did is astonishing. At the time frame they did it, it's not like you had a lot of computers back in the mid-1980s and that. But I picked up a lot from them, and I still use it to this day. And it sent me off on some directions that I'm sure they would understand and agree with completely, you know, if Mr. Longwood was still alive. So, in fact, by the way, he, here's an important note about this. He got started when his dad uh, was tried and convicted for tax crimes back in the 1970s. And the IRS still uses this case to this day, USB Longwood, and it chagrined him to no end because he knew that his dad shouldn't have been convicted. But he was there every day, and he told me that, you know, when I had his dad on the stand, the U.S. attorney went up to him, handed him an internal revenue code, and opened it up and said, Mr. Wongwood, do you see the dollar sign in here? Not understanding the question, he admitted that he did. But that's a single bar dollar sign, not the double, double, side, uh, double strike dollar sign. It's actually a U over an S, and that's gold and silver coin. If he would have answered the question the other way, he probably doesn't get convicted. But no one was clear on that point. <clears throat> you know, back in the day, this is 1974, I believe this one came down. It's in uh, Federal Second. I'll get the citation for you. But, you know, Robert Ronger was chagrined about that till his dying day that his dad got convicted on BS like that. But not knowing, <clears throat> you know, what we know now, that wouldn't be the case. And 10 years later, we get a case called Bass v. United States. You can look this one up, 784, Federal Second, 1282 where Gary Bass gets convicted, um, and he takes an appeal to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and they reverse because the judge instructed the jury that Bass was a quote-unquote employee within the meaning of the Internal Revenue Code. He wasn't, probably not a quote-unquote taxpayer either, and people out there, you're not either. But you have to make the objection timely, and amazingly, an attorney in this case did this. I don't know what he was thinking, but an attorney actually did this, and the court reversed it, uh, and you can read why. It's very brief, but they said directed verdict of guilt. You can't do that. The government has to sustain its burden of proof. And the kicker to this one is uh, the judge that wrote that, Edith Holland Jones, that decision might have cost her an appointment to the Supreme Court. She would have been the second woman on there following Sandra Day O'Connor. But I think the discussion that went around, this is when Reagan was president, you know, and they probably said to themselves, well, there's a lot of attractive things about her, but we can't put a kook like this into office that we can't predict what she's going to do, especially in tax cases. Can you imagine she did this on the U.S. Supreme Court and reversed a conviction like that? Lord, that's <laughs> – it's hard to imagine. I mean, the Fifth Circuit, who the hell knows about Gary Bass? Well, not many people. And 35 years later, 
you look in your Shepherd citations, those of you that do serious research, you look up that citation, you're not going to see any cases there. Not a one. Why is that? Don't attorneys know about this? Don't they know they can win tax cases for their clients? Damn, this is not heard. And it goes to my position that we don't have any right to effective assistance of counsel in their criminal cases. You know, and there's a lot to it. I've got about 20 pages on this that people get with my document packets. And I say no right to counsel. And the Supreme Court has said if you're not represented by counsel at trial, they can't throw you in jail. And I agree with them. That case is Argus Singer B. Hammond, H-A-M-L-I-N, 407 U.S. 25, page 40, Judge, paragraph 3. Read it. Can't throw you in jail, can't make you pay any fines because there's no way to do that. What the hell can they do with proper, timely objections? Oh, Lord, I know I'm going on here like I shouldn't be doing, but, you know, yeah, I know. And I'm saying, please, if you have people that have questions and have their hands up, put them on. I would love to answer some questions. So I don't have any problem with that at all. I've encouraged it. I've done so, you know, know, that's what I'm here to do. This is the best opportunity I'm going to have at the moment to do it. So please feel free to do it. I don't see any hands up at the moment. Wait, let me see here. If anybody wants to uh, ask or or make a comment, uh, no, a comment or ask a question, suggestions. Yeah, I'm. Uh, start. Press, press star two, and that'll put your hand up so I can see you. Star two. Okay. All right. So far, nobody has their hand up. Okay, well, if they do, let me know, because that's what I'm here to do. And I've told people in advance, I promote your program and my appearances and say, hey, get on there. This is a great opportunity for you to do that, because I know you're going to have them. And with my materials, by the way, you also get as much support via email as I can you know, uh, put in there. And I'm going to have a lot of people testifying to that with testimonials about you know, how I do what I say I do. I just don't take money and forget about people. It's not how I do business here. I do that. And it looks like the way things are headed, that after Labor Day, we're probably going to have a situation where I'm going to have regular phone hours. And I'll send you an email about that. And I'm going to do that regular, you know, 25-minute phone calls you can make. We have to set it up by email. And we can do that because I realize sometimes, you know, it's a lot more useful to hear things than it is to see them in writing. And I'm going to encourage people to record these phone calls so they have it. Because that's why I like email. You can refer back to it, look at it, you know, check out the citations I have in there. But I am going to start to do it this way because I know that, you know, just sometimes, uh, you know, some people are much better, you know, hearing it than they are. Just a matter of how you learn things. Me, I'm the opposite way. I do it with writing. But I get that, that not everybody is like that. So that is in the works, and it will be announced as soon as we get things in order, you know, and we'll see how that goes at that, you know, you know, you win in court at gmail.com, and that's my new YouTube handle also. And we'll have videos, probably new videos going up uh, next week. I'll be doing them next Tuesday, the way it's shaping up. And we'll get those on there, and we're going to update some of the ones I've done before and make them easier to understand. And okay, I Bill, we have a couple of hands up, so when you're oh, ready. Oh, good, please. Ready? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay, 407, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Are you ready, Bill? Are you ready? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. You go right ahead. You bring whatever you got here. Thank you, Angela. Um, Bill, I wanted to mention Bowers versus DeVito. Uh, the state has no duty to protect. It has no duty to, to 
no duty to maintain law and order. So, how do you expect to get any justice in any court when they have no obligation whatsoever to maintain law and order? Well, that suggests to me that that's uh, a statement that you might consider that, or a situation you might consider emanating from an anarchist. And I don't see our government set up that way. And if they don't these days, it's principally because they're in territorial tribunals, not state courts, where we have status, we have rights, and we can invoke them. That's how we make them do it. Okay, okay, hold on. I do not disagree with you. That's the way it should be. But in Bowers versus DeVito, the court ruled, and it's the Seventh Circuit, that the state and the federal government, neither of which have any duty to maintain law and order. Which means, which means even in their courts, they have no duty to maintain law and order. That's why they can rob, rape, and pillage. But I do comprehend that a state citizen supposedly, which I don't see how because God made man, not the state that drives me nuts, but somehow a state citizen is immune from federal courts concerning U.S. citizenship. However, and all that being said, and I agree with what what you're doing, but they have no duty maintain law and order they have no duty even in their courts to maintain law and order and they do lie cheat and steal and take uh what do you what do they call it uh, uh uh silent notice they give you notice but they're silent about it they don't tell you they're giving you notice but they so the silent notice they don't tell you the tricks they're doing to you because they have no duty um and it just drives me nuts, and I wanted to, to mention that because you're fighting so hard. Uh, well, I will certainly be taking a long look at that case. I've written it down, Bowers v. DeVito. Now, a lot of this, in my view, comes from the fact that everybody grabs onto this great 14th Amendment citizenship in Section 1, and they never look at Section 4, where it says that the public debt of the United States authorized by law shall not be questioned. Once you volunteer into that system, they own you, your chattel property, and of course you have no rights, and how can you expect to try to invoke law and order in that situation? Well, let me ask you about that. If it says the debt shall not be questioned, what on earth does that mean? According to who, according to why or how or what, what does that actually mean? That That phrase has no meaning. should not be questioned. By who? For what? When? Where? How? Yeah, and, and, and by the way, you look at and I have, if you have one of these, you'll, and you'll love it if you do, I have a 1952 U.S. <coughs> Constitution annotated from the Government Printing Office. The great book that has all the things broken down by Constitution, you know, the, uh, the article, the section, and what it is, and you go to what we're just talking about here, article, uh, the uh, section 4 of the 14th War Amendment, there's very few cases there. They got about 75 or 100 pages on Section 1, but virtually nothing there, which is a quite common occurrence with the sections that we use against them. There are no cases. Article 4, Section 4, the government shall guarantee to each state a Republican form of government. 
There's one case been there, Luther v. Borden in 1850. And the court said at the time, and I would agree with them if I was back then, that that's a political question, and they said it's under the control of Congress. Okay, I don't have any problem with that, but given what's happened in the intervening 150-odd years, you know, now I can prove not only is that there's no quorum in either House to do any business at all, we have zero in the House, zero in the Senate. So that power can't be exercised by Congress. Who can? Well, oh, if, if, if there's a plenary power of Congress that's created somewhere, somehow, and I don't know how anybody can ever claim that Congress has uh, says they have a exclusive legislative jurisdiction within the 10 square mile, what we call the District of Columbia. But nowhere does it say they have exclusive legislative jurisdiction to do anything they want, regardless of what the Constitution states. There's, but they seem to act that way, and people seem to bring it up that way. Well, they can do anything they want in Washington, D.C. Well, no, they can't just walk down the street and put bullets in people's heads randomly. But they can't walk down the street and just start stabbing people because they're Congress. It's, it's absurd that there's no control over them, even in that 10 square miles. They, they must be bound by that Constitution with everything uh, they do and everywhere they go. Very interesting subject matter you're talking about there. And I'm going to give you a case there that I defy you to find. Anyone in law school has ever heard of this? called Jones versus United States, 137 U.S. 202. You can Google it. And that case came out of the Guano Islands. No one's ever heard of the Guano Islands. But they had uh, the company that, you know, an individual found this and discovered this island in the Caribbean Sea. And they found they could use this guano, this bird crap, to make fertilizer. And this company in Baltimore took over and ran this. And they had some incidents that occurred there where a worker or two were killed. And the question was, where was the venue for the trial, which ended up being in Baltimore, Maryland? And there was a big jurisdictional challenge to that, and the Supreme Court said, in effect, you know, that's the correct venue because, are you ready for this? The Guano Islands are not even a territory. They're, quote-unquote, pertinent to the United States and under complete control of the president acting as commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Now, what you just said earlier, doesn't that fit nicely with what's going on in Washington, D.C., and really all the states, too? They may just as well be a pertinent to the United States as they might well be territories. But, by the way, the big deal with that infamous Scott v. Sanford case, otherwise known as Dred Scott, and why they don't want you to read it. And I heard about this case when I was in school, but they didn't tell us a lot about it. But what happened there was that some of the justices in dicta, meaning it didn't, the case wasn't decided on it, but there was lengthy discussions in there about the limits on Congress in territories because they were anticipating cases coming into the court on that subject matter. And that's an interesting one. So that's what they yes. want you to speak. Yes, because uh, the, the judge Scott, the, the case was set up uh, because the, the gentleman was one-tenth black. And Louisiana forced him to ride in the black rail car. One tenth oh, that's enough Plessy, to go black. That's Plessy v. Ferguson, by the way. That's Plessy, not Scott. But go ahead. Well, but and these are slave owners and slaveholders that are deciding these cases back at that time. Um, so it was set up to do that. Uh, and maybe I'm thinking more of the, the um, well, the slaughterhouse, yes. But uh, what you're saying is 
if because they're state citizens having a state claim that the the court ruled that the federal court has no authority to make a decision on the matter. The matter rests yeah, within well, the states. Yeah, well, it said in effect that Red Scott wasn't a citizen within the meaning of the Constitution, which was the correct ruling then at that time, and it still is because if the 14th Amendment doesn't exist, and I can dead bang prove it doesn't, and I can talk about that acapella for two hours, which I'm not going to do tonight, but trust me, and there's more than one reason for it doesn't exist. Well, the Reconstruction Act, by the way, if you're not familiar with that, that's what happened was that Congress presented the 14th Amendment to the same legislatures in the states that it had presented to the 13th Amendment, and all of the southern states ratified that one. That's an open admission that those were lawful governments. All of them vetoed the 14th Amendment. Well, they didn't allow the South. They didn't allow the South to vote on the 14th. They they booted them out. Yeah, they didn't, but... Well, actually, the South did. All of the legislatures not only vetoed it, but in sufficient numbers to defeat the amendment today. And that's when they passed the Reconstruction Act, broke up the southern states into military districts. That's why I call it the 14th War Amendment. And it was those legislatures that passed that amendment. And if you read Article 5, you're going to see that you can do it either that way or you can do it with conventions and people of the states. To do what they're claiming they've done with the 14th Amendment, it would have had to have been ratified by conventions of people. Because if, if they're going to extend the sovereignty of the nation, among other things, you can't leave a, a task like that up to agents. That's a job for principles. On that ground, it doesn't exist. I mean, I've got that beat no matter which way you go. It has never existed. So therefore, Scott B. Sanford is still the law of the land. And yes, that's an openly white supremacist argument. I get that. But if we don't have rights, nobody has them. So I agree. You think uh, you're going to lose with the 14th Amendment, you lose nothing because you've got nothing. I'd, I'd like to close with, um, in order to um, perceive what was done and what was said and why and how it was said, you, 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 back in those days, you got to perceive that the, the decision makers were slave owners, but not the black black slave owners. The blacks had also owned slaves. They were not permitted to make the decisions on the white slave owners, and they always made a decision that didn't uh, deprive them of any of their property. And that's how even the Supreme Court justices made these decisions, but they protected themselves from their rulings, so they made their rulings according to something that would not affect them at all. And, and we've got to consider all that for those decisions back then. You've always got to consider that if a man owns a slave, he's never going to rule against his ability to own that slave. And that's how they made their rulings. Now, interesting yeah. argument, and there were an abundance of Southern justices on the court at the time, but in pure point of fact, on the issue of citizenship, um, that can't be refuted. If you go back read the Declaration of Independence, among other things. Read, if you want, Article 2, Section 1 of the California Constitution and the decision of the state Supreme Court here, Van Valkenburg v. Brown, 43 Cal 43, 1872, after the 14th Amendment. And they said right in there that no white person owes their citizenship to the recently adopted amendment. That was a correct ruling. It still is. So it is what it is. And I'm saying the issues are going to have to be worked out when we get back to where we should be. But the system will be a hell of a lot better off for all of us. It won't be perfect, 
but better off when we get it back to what it should be. And we can go from well, there with the fact it should be it should be that the color of a man's skin has no basis in making any determination. And every decision that did have basis was on the color of a man's skin, whether it goes back fifty years or a thousand years, is should be uh ruled as a bad decision and irrelevant and have no force and effect of law. Because as long as any man can determine the status of any other man based on the color of his skin, uh, that guarantees that everybody is a slave forever. And, and all it does is guarantee war. There, there cannot be a decision made, well, you're black, you're a slave, you have no standing, you cannot complain. It's BS because if they could say it's black, then you could say it's white, or you could say it's red, or you could say it's yellow. And it's just depending on who's got more guns at any particular time. Well, now, that's again, not exactly you know, what I'm saying. Now, I'm suggesting, by the way, I would not, for example, immigrate to Shanghai, China, and claim to be a political equal in that society. That's not the way it works. Right or wrong or good or bad, historically, that's not the way it works. I wouldn't go over to you know, Egypt or any African nation and claim to be a political equal there either. It doesn't mean that I'm not a free person. It doesn't mean that I don't well, have rights that have to be respected. Let me hold you there. Let me hold you there. Okay, go that ahead. May be true. That may be true because of a society, but it's still wrong. It's still wrong. The, 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 the bottom line is God made his, the heavens and the earth and all men are endowed by their creator no matter what color, what society, wherever you're at. Now, because you even have that here that here in the United States, all these illegals, all these illegals, all these illegals. Well, in order not to be an illegal, you have to be permitted. And if you're permitted, you're property. And it's the bottom line. You cannot, you cannot argue that. If you have permission, you are property of someone. The only way man can be free... Yeah. If he can roam without permission, and even though the societies may say, "Well, you're not Chinese, you don't belong here," don't go there because you'll be a slave if you do. Just then we're slaves just, if we don't. With the Fourteenth War Amendment in place, you know that makes us all slaves, and it does it more ingeniously than anything else. Now, you know the government thinks they own all of us and we're chattel property. And you look at eight U.S.C. thirteen twenty four A, which says that. You're considered illegal here if you don't have the permission of the federal government to be in the United States. Wait a so, minute. So let me throw this at you, My family but, goes back on both sides 200 years. I need the permission of the federal government to be here legally? Can you explain that? Let me that throw this at you, Bill. Let me throw something at you. You're in court and you're in front of the judge. You look at the judge and your question is, are you my master? He's got to say yes or no. And if he says no, you turn around and walk out. Unless you've caused harm to your fellow man, turn around and walk away. He's not your master. You're free to go. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. My question would be in place of that one, where the hell is the jury at? Anyone's going to make a decision here if you have a valid law. No, 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 no. If you have not caused no harm, there won't be a jury. Are you my master, yes or no? 
Yeah, that's what I say. One way to do it with me, I've got, when I ask that question, I'm sitting there with a stack of 600 jury instructions. They're not going there. They will not do it. Now, one jury instruction is reversible error. So that tells you that we're, our our decision is made at the barrel of the gun, and that's about it. That's it. You're not free to go. What this system does, and what I'm trying to fix. But, boy, it's been really refreshing talking to you. I thank you for all that, and I'm going to be listening to it on the recording and going over things, too. And feel free to contact me, you know, at my new uh, email, which is youwinningcourt at gmail.com. We're going to have some things to talk about here. I really appreciate you doing this and having a nice, long conversation and some good points on both sides. And thank you, uh, thank you, Bill, and thank you for letting me in, Angela. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Ooh, good. That was refreshing. I like that one. Okay, next up we have, let's see here, uh, 323. Three. You've been unmuted. Is that me? That's you. <laughs> All right, thank you very much for uh, allowing thank me you. this opportunity. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Because the majority of, of people's questions and answers and arguments mostly pertain to defendants. What if you are the plaintiff in the matter? Do all of these uh, tips and writing instructions and the court cases you're citing and so forth work for someone who is bringing the action against, let's say, a bank or a servicing, alleged servicing agents and so forth who's foreclosing on someone's land? Oh, yeah, the good news about my things, and I do concentrate at the moment primarily on traffic court. That's the soft underbelly. We beat them there, and now we're going to beat every agency they got. So the answer to that is yes, and everything works on the offensive side, too, because with the unopposed records we're going to set defensively, that proves absence of jurisdiction. It proves treason to the Constitution. That's why I'm so excited about subpoena stuff. And like I say, I'm a pessimist, but the work I've done with this, and I'm still working on this to make it even better, but we hauled our ass in the court, you know, the governor or whoever, and say, what are you doing here to confuse us with artificial corporate entities, and you have a duty to see the laws are faithfully executed. You know, that's confrontation and cross-examination, even that, and that's a recognizable right in their system. Hey, if we can't do that, we can't get to the real one, then you've got a problem. You have no relevant, admissible evidence to convict me of anything. And you don't, and it doesn't matter what agency it is. That's the direction I'm headed as quickly as I can get there, because now we get them both ways, defensively and offensively, and we get enough of those wins offensively. And there will come a point in time, my South Carolina case that I'm not going to go into now, but I spent seven months there as a political prisoner, uh, if I can do it any, any possible way, I've got three people I want to spend more time in jail than what I did for what they did to me. We'll see how that works out. But 210 days, political prisoner on a warrant that was supported by an investigative report, quote-unquote, 27 perjuries in five pages. That might be an all-time bureaucratic record for all I know. 27 of them. And I didn't see that for 94 days after my arrest. And they probably didn't want to give it to me then, but it got to me. And I saw that, and I said, my God, I, I would have laughed. It, it, it wasn't too damn serious. It would have been hilarious. 
what they did here to get me across the country for 3,000 miles and into their quote-unquote court jurisdiction I'd never been in and never going back to again. And this is a cradle of states' rights for crying out loud. South Carolina, and they don't have a clue there? Oh, jeez, we've got a long way to go to educate these idiots. But I never had a day there that I knew from day one. My friends can tell you, I never had a day there I was worried about anything. I didn't know how long it was going to take, but I knew I would never see a jury. My friend unloaded those 600 jury instructions on them in digital form. I would love to have been a fly on the wall to see that one. Um, there's no way they could go there. <clears throat> Even they wanted to do it, they couldn't do it. That's the power we have. And that's what okay. I offer you, in my packet. Okay, yeah, you, you say that that's the power we have. And yet, the other gentleman stated the case where they uh, clear, it clearly states that they don't have the obligation to do anything. In other words, they can practice law from the bench. They can create the laws at will. They can deny you anything regardless of what it seems like. They deny you anything, even a trial by jury, based on you not proving that uh, or you are you do prove that you're a United States citizen or you're a Californian or a Col- Coloradian or whatever it is that you state your status is or a man, and yet they just uh, bulldoze right over everything everybody does. They don't give you discovery. The courts are aiding and abetting, it appears, the banksters and so forth and the uh, largest land grab that's been going on for a long time now. And yet, no matter what you put in, whether it's, you know, written by an attorney or, or by someone who's presenting themselves, still they're not following the law. So how can we enforce the, their quote-unquote quote their laws or constitutions against them? First, if they don't have a lawful oath, they're not bonded and so forth. How can we get remedy in these courts? Uh, these, this is a compounding question, but it's all you know related to the same issue is how do we get justice in the courts where we have no power except we're at the mercy of whoever's behind that that uh, bench? Now, that's the State Bar Association, and the short answer to that <clears throat> and what I've been striving, especially in the last 18 months, to do is get us into our courts, otherwise known as a federal circuit court, and those used to exist. Congress apparently abolished those in 1911 on the federal level, which maybe they could do, maybe they can't do, because I've got information from, among other people, Justice Joseph's story in a case called Martin B. Hunter's Leslie that said that, you know, Congress had a duty to create lower federal courts. If they haven't done it, the only possible reason is that that jurisdiction exists concurrently in state judicial courts, that section 11 of the Judiciary Act, 1789. Those are there. The Supreme Court recognizes them. We can't get there. That's the question I'm trying to get resolved. Why the hell can't we get into our own courts other than the fact we're going to beat the hell out of you when we do? Because now we have our status, we have our rights, and you have no defenses. That's the $64,000 question. Now, from some of the things I've read, most recently, is that we have no business in these federal courts. The federal courts do not have common law. 
only the state courts, and if we're going to redress grievance against any government entity or the courts themselves, we go to an Article One court, which is the Court of Claims. But, but given that little background, is it not the best place to be is in the county land courts when we're dealing with land because we the sky's the limit in the county land courts or these lower courts versus the end with the trial by jury and there is no higher uh, a ruling than a trial by jury. Even the United States Supreme Court states that. So where is the uh, land county land courts for one and and is it not true that the uh, federal government has no common law and the common law is man on versus man not corporation versus man is that not correct yeah to a limited extent it is but to back up a little bit a lot of this trouble came when uh, congress combined the courts of law and equity in 1938 with the federal rules of civil procedure and if you read it immediately uh, case decided the next year called Erie Railroad v. Tompkins, and I always spell that with three E's in Erie, for, or 304 right. U.S. 64. Uh, you know, they can't do that. They did away with common law, which they can't do. Federal courts are supposed to have that. They're supposed to have circuit courts. Now, if they don't have circuit courts, and you're right, the courts we have now, Article One, legislative tribunals, they admit it themselves under, under Title 28, that all the courts here are not Article Three judicial courts. I get that. What I'm saying is, if they if they violated the duty to create these courts that they're supposed to create, the only remedy possible is that we must have concurrent federal circuit courts and state judicial courts. And by the way, we can also get there in territories because the Supreme Court has ruled that that a territorial tribunal has split jurisdictions. On one side, it's the territorial tribunal. The other side, it exercises the powers of a federal circuit court. One of the cases on that is Ex Parte Crodog, 109 U.S. 556. So they have to be there. Even if it's a territory, we can get there. And that's where all my efforts are concentrated now to getting us before a court like that, because now it's over. We get to a judicial court. They can't even come in there especially if you're a state officer because you haven't been appointed under the Appointments Clause, Article 2, Section 3. You have no you know, no place to be anywhere whatsoever in a judicial court. You don't exist. See, they think we don't exist anymore. They think we're undocumented enemy aliens, and they really think that. That's what they think. There's been no formal end to the war between the states in 1865. Hasn't been one. No treaty, no nothing. So they think us white citizens, you know, and I've got a... a uh, a terror alert from the FBI. Wait till you see this. If you want to get that a copy, I'll be glad to send it. Send it to my website now at uh, uninincourt at gmail.com. I'll send you this FBI flyer that talks about terrorists. And you look in there and you say, my God. I look at it and I say, gee, I hit eight of the ten categories. You probably would too. They think we're terrorists trying to get the Constitution back. That's how stupid this has gotten. But if we don't do it, you know, and if I had kids, which I don't have, you know, I would have a solemn obligation to those kids to do everything I could do. Otherwise, I would expect them to spit on my grave if I didn't when I knew better. You know, that's how I feel about that. If we get it back, you know, once we cross that barrier, whenever it comes and however it comes, um, you know, and I'm working every day. It's 24-7 for me. I'm now I work a lot harder now as a retiree, quote-unquote, than I ever did when I was in the workforce. 
And I was very conscientious in those 40 years, trust me. But yeah, it's that important and that serious and that's, wow. And I hope my passion and you know comes through for this. Oh, oh, you know, and my yeah. Integrity and and and, and you know and the, and the uh, and supporting authorities I have. You have got about 200 odd pages between new states, concurrent jurisdiction, status, and standing. Uh, 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 what's the other one? Uh, rep- uh, racial representation. And for those of you who don't know, by the way, that one, two, three, Article One, Section Two, Clause Three says the maximum amount of, uh, of people represented per congressman, 30,000. Now, we have over 300 million people today. Do the math. What are we supposed to have in Congress? Not 435. My math tells me 11,400. Where the hell are they? And that section has not been amended. Never. Okay. So, we okay, you have a lot of great points and and your passion is very well received my question still no matter whether you're offense or defense they these people are lawless they're pirates and they are not following the law they're law breakers so how do we get enforcement accountability and enforceability against those who claimed a status to make decisions if we allow them and yet receive remedy in these uh, these courts when they're not even of the de jure of the Republic of uh, Colorado or Massachusetts. And by the way, in the case of Colorado, since you mentioned it, the Centennial State, uh, which was admitted, quote-unquote, in 1876, uh, this union had not existed at that point for a good 15 years. I don't know what they were admitted into, but this union ain't it. And you read my brief on new states and you read the debates around the admission of Maine and Missouri 200 years ago, you get it immediately. These people knew. They spoke with intelligence, passion, integrity, and they were around when the Constitution was formed. And okay, I appreciate, I appreciate all your knowledge. I'm trying to narrow it down a little bit to uh, direct almost uh, not a yes or no answer, but to if I, if, if I or you or somebody else goes into court and we, we have history and we have the court cases and our papers are perfectly written by, a, a, let's say, a, 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 an attorney who goes to SCOTUS, does certioraries and does everything perfectly, how are we going to get the courts to listen and enforce ability and hold accountability when we are fighting for something, let's say whether it's our land or something else, but we have a cause of action and we have the right to to cross uh, the witness, the, the trespasser or the, uh, the um, uh, defendant on the witness stand to face the accuser or whatever it is, and they don't allow us discovery. They don't allow us to get a trial by jury. I mean, how can we enforce these things? With all the knowledge in the world, that's my question. Well, not an easy one, but you have to realize, especially in the criminal context, directed verdicts of guilt. And with the record I'll be setting now with my subpoena packet, and they have to file these documents, and they have to be answered, or the other side has to move to quash the subpoenas, and now they're going to get hit with everything I have in my arsenal, and it's going to be on the record and if necessary, we go to the 904 and say, what the hell are you people doing? If you're going to tell us 
that we can't enforce any of these rights, then have the decency and integrity to tell the American people there's no constitution, because that's what you're saying. Exactly. When I say that, then fine. No peaceful remedies. We'll take it from here, and whatever happens is on your hands, not ours. If it's got so, that bad, so then we basically, basically, we know that they don't have to do anything. They are supposed to do certain things. So the bottom line is, if they're not going to follow it, then we need to call them out, call them what they are, and then file criminal charges when it's against you're going to their uncle or their father with criminal charges against the son or nephew, and so they can enforce it just like an in-house investigation. It's all basically you're saying if they don't enforce what we're putting before them, then they're committing treason, usurpation, and uh, we are in law marshal, and the uh, Constitution is, as we know it's already been, but they haven't come out to say it, that uh, it's uh, null and avoided, and it doesn't have any validity in our alleged republic, which we know they claim it a democracy, correct? Yeah, democracy, three rules, and two sheep voting on what's for dinner. Um, right. <laughs> and figure out what happens on day three. Think about it. But in any case, if the provisions of the Constitution are enforceable, and by the way, it's Article 4, Section 4, uh, where the, state, the government guarantees the states a Republican form of government, if that's not enforceable, and they say that's a political question, are they going to try to convince us that the framers of the Constitution were so stupid as to put provisions in the Constitution that can't be enforced? I'd love an answer to a question like that, too. Right. If Congress can't do it, then we have to take over as state citizens, as private attorney generals, what have you. And without any peaceful remedies, all bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen in a case like that. What I do know is we won the revolution once. We shouldn't have to do it again. If we, we get forced into that position, so be it. I'll be the, probably the first one out there because I've got nothing to lose at the age of 70. I'm already in 12 years. So it doesn't okay. matter much what happens to me. I've got to set the best record I can set so people like you can follow me and carry on the fight if need be. I hope it doesn't come to that. Okay. Have you heard of the case Powers versus the Bank of New 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 York Mellon in Orange County? Hmm, I haven't. Let me make a note of that here. Uh, you want to, and everybody listening wants to because uh, – Billy or Renee Billy Powers versus Bank of New York Mellon and Quality Loan Service Corporation and P PSP, I forget what it stands for. This has to do with land. It's one of, it's gonna it's a landmark case. It's in the process with Judge uh Sledgehammer Carter and um it's uh, been ongoing and her, I guess her attorney just recently was threatened by some black suits and recused herself off the case because they they threatened her most likely with her life, but definitely her license and so forth. And it's um it's a humongous case. I think everybody should look it up and follow it and and get on board with it because when her next hearing comes up, we should all go and I'd, like I believe everybody should go and support everybody's cases. Be a be a body in the courtroom so that these judges now or magistrates you want to call them uh, see that all people now have all the other people listening. And when they listen, now we can uh, 
you know, have more numbers. I think that's one of the most important things. Would you not agree? Well, not only that, but I've been known to sit in, quote-unquote, courts during some of these trials and sit there with a yellow legal pad taking notes. Yes, I encourage that completely. Uh, that unsettles them because there's no records in these damn traffic courts, and there's not much records in all the other courts, too. So I will sit there sometimes with a couple of three other people conspicuously with yellow legal pads. And trust me, that makes them as nervous as all get out because now we're going to do affidavits and be able to prove it. Correct. Yes, that's a very powerful thing to do. So this is a current, ongoing case. Is this in the, is, is this in the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York, or is this a state case? It's it's uh, it's in the Federal District Court of Orange County, California, and it's oh, Powers. That's you can just Google it. It'll come right up. Oh, good. I will Powers be doing, versus I will Bank be doing of New that. York Mellon. What's that? Orange County. Maybe she has a shot at it there in Orange County. Who knows? That's uh, amazingly enough a Republican county in Democratic territory. Not that those two aren't the same party, by the way, but uh, that's interesting. I will be looking into that. I will get back. Uh, in fact, send me an email. You know, you went in court at gmail.com. I'll have a follow-up on this when I get a chance to look at this case and offer some thoughts and observations about it. And we'll okay, see what can goes you on could you give me that again? Because you speak very quickly, and I'm having a hard time. Oh, sorry. I have been tonight. That I have been doing it tonight. There's no two ways about it. The new email thing and the new YouTube is uh, you win in court at gmail.com. Okay. Thank you. Well, you've answered yeah, so my do that question. And we'll catch up. Yeah. And um, I will do that. And... Uh, there's other, a lot of other cases going on out there. I mean, there's thousands of people's homes being stolen from them, and, and people are, un, I guess they call them uh, victimless crimes for these, you know, policy enforcers and stuff. And I think you, you hit on a lot of points that people are finally getting tired. They're standing up. They're educating themselves, and that's the only way to do it is to educate yourself. And I think that um, what you have to offer, is that a package that you have to offer? Yeah, I've got a package of four or five different packets that come together. By the way, quickly before you go on, in a case like this, and you're talking about mortgages, and the case is against the Bank of New York Mellon, right? Yes. If I'm right about state versus territory, and I've not been opposed in four decades, I think we can assume what the outcome is going to be there. Then this bank who's ostensibly registered with the Secretary of State in California to do business, isn't. They're registered with the Territorial Secretary of State, yet I'm a California citizen domiciled in a California judicial district. The contract was null and void from day one, and they knew that or should have known. That's a hell of an affirmative defense there. But no business being in court. Right. Well... They've got them for fraud, and they've, they've changed it from the uh, stealing of the land to uh, criminal charges, and they're waiting for the judge to make a decision whether it's going to go to the California Attorney General for indictment or not. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes on it. It's very, very important. I know it's going to be a landmark case. Ooh, we love those kind of cases. Yeah, that too. But send me an email. I've got some other cases I'll send back to you to take a look at. I'm trying I'm trying to think that I'm talking. This one doesn't <laughs> pop right into my head, but it involves, uh, oh, who is that? Uh, Morgan Guarantee Trust v. Henwood, 
307 U.S. 247 that talks about issues like that, not nearly to the extent that I would like. But you'll find that interesting reading, given that you're following this case, and you may want to alert them at the other end to take a look at this case, too. It's not dispositive. It isn't on all fours. But it could be very interesting reading. Okay. Thank you very much. I, thank I you. Well, thank you, too. Glad to have questions time. like this anytime. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Ooh, okay. Really Next up, we have French Fry. French Fry, you've been unmuted. Todd Morris is a, my illegitimate daddy. Would you have? Okay. I don't know what that was about. Um, Whoa. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, 570. Go ahead, my dear. You've been unmuted. Hi, uh, Angela. Could I ask you a, a question? This is uh, Stephen. Uh, do you, do you, of all the shows that you've seen, I'm going to ask Bill a question. Do, do, do you believe you have any rights? Do I believe I have any rights? Yeah, yeah of course I do. Okay. My rights are endowed by my creator, so mm -hmm. there's nobody that can interfere with that. I mean, they can well, kill I mean, me. In the system, can, in the, in the system yeah. statutory system. Oh, and their system, goodness, and I, I just paraphrased Scott B. Sanford that, you know, neither lawful de jure state citizens nor anyone else, for that matter, has any rights that de facto national socialist government is bound to respect. That's exactly what they're telling us. Yeah. No, no uncertain terms. They don't think we have any. Bill, when, when uh, uh, you go in uh, as, a, as a defendant in uh, one of your cases, you go into court, right? By the way, it's rarely that they even file. I was shocked they even filed this jaywalking charge against me. They don't file charges against me anymore because what I've done to them in the past, I cannot get into a California jail. Not that I commit common law crimes, mind you, but I have a real problem because I think some people here understand the consequences of what's going to happen if they do that. That wasn't So when question. I go, it's usually on behalf of someone else. My jaywalking case a couple of weeks ago was an amazing exception to that rule. But no, I've okay. never gotten into jail here, ever. Okay, that, that well, that clarifies. It was your it was your case. Yes. Okay. Now that's that's what I'm a little bit confused on on something, and that is uh, 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 what is that axiom axiom of law or maxim of law that uh, uh, un, unlike things shall not be joined. You're a man, correct? You're a man, and 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 they're a fiction. All the courts, there's court, several Supreme Court cases out there that say all the governments, all the governments, the states, local, federal, they're all fictions. Mm -hmm. They created that now, and then they created the, uh, do you have a birth certificate, Bill? Uh, well, that's, uh, especially now with them all being territories, there's no question about it that they're fictions. But right. at the moment, that's where our remedies are to get things you know, to a court, I guess, and I know parts at the moment, who can rule on issues that they say that they will rule on. By the way, if you don't know from Ashwander v. Tennessee Valley, 297 U.S. 288, 341, Ashwander Doctrine. First rule of Ashwander, the court will not address an issue of constitutionality and the advance of the necessity of answering it. I'm you don't ask, about we're that. not going to answer. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is... Uh, is it? Uh, do you have a birth certificate, Bill? 
Well, not, not only do I have one from a private hospital, I have my family paternal Bible. that goes back to 1854, before okay. the war between the states. You answered that question. Now let me ask another question. You have a birth certificate. Is that your, is that your, your birth certificate? Yeah, well, issued by a private hospital to my mom and dad when I was born. Not a government-issued document. I've never seen one of those. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what, uh, okay, it's it's not, your birth certificate doesn't say the state of uh, California or no. whatever at the top of it? No. Well, it would have been Maryland, but no, absolutely not. I've not seen one like that. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, uh, because uh, the uh, there's Supreme Court cases that say that, uh, well, a lot of people say, well, yeah, that's my birth certificate, that's my driver license, that's my Social Security card. But the name on that, on all those cards, are all for a fiction. They're all fictions. And there's a Supreme Court case out there that say that the name on any, I don't know, what the, can't remember what the name of the case is, but the case site, but all the, the birth certificates are always for a, 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 a non-human entity. Okay. I would like to see that case. Too bad you can't remember so it. Yeah, I wish I would have wrote it down when I heard about it. But well, uh, you heard about it, you didn't read it. No, I heard somebody talking about it, and I never well, got there. You case go. See, it could be fake. It could be could fraud. Ball. It could be. It could oh. be. But uh, my, what I'm trying to get the point I'm trying to make is, Bill, how in the world? Could you go into these cases that you say you're, you're going into as a man against the fictional entity state? They, you cannot have any standing in any of those cases. You could have everything absolutely perfect, and they could still rule against you because they can't hear you or see you because you're not the fictional entity that they want you to be. Or are you going in as a fictional entity? Oh, heavens no, that's the last thing I'm doing, but, and you're quite right about some of what you're saying here. But at the same time, my job, and I, you know, I can do this very well, is to go in there as I did with my jaywalking case and you know, make the points I want to make, get the issues in I want to get in, knowing that they're beyond. In fact, I've got the California Supreme Court, by the way, denied one of my petitions for a bit of habeas corpus, deputy clerk. Yes, if I may back. interrupt you, Bill. If I may interrupt you, I apologize. But was right. it your case? If they put that name on that case as the all-capitalized fictional entity, that's not you. Are you admitting to be a fictional entity or not? Oh, heavens no. I'm coming then forward for decades. how can you say it's your case? How in the world can you say it's your case then? Or you're going in there, they're making a case against a fictional entity. It's like blasphemy against God to go and admit that you're a fictional, that one is a fictional entity, created by, you're created by Almighty God, not by the state. And everybody no, that no, has these exactly birth certificates... I I no, I challenge the 14th Amendment, which is where all that crap comes from, and I say, not so fast, I'm not one of these. I know it's beyond your jurisdiction, but I'm going to make the argument anyway to set the record. I don't think and they have birth certificates the back in the 14th Amendment to the time. They didn't have birth certificates back then. No, they didn't. You're quite right about that. What I've heard unofficially is they started about eh, 1875 or thereabouts, but I don't know that one for a fact. But you're right. You had your family Bibles, and you lived in the community. People just knew. I mean, you didn't need documentation like that. I get it. But, but let me get to the point. Uh, when you go what, – what I recently have done 
is uh, sent them, uh, they charge me with traffic tickets, this and that. I send them a letter saying, I'm only the nominee. I've uh, notified the executor, who is the Secretary of State uh, of the birth state, and uh, I've forwarded all your documents to them, all your uh, your court uh, documents that you that uh, you you, you uh, uh, that, that I was served with as the not the improper entity. I'm not a fictional entity, so I sent them over to the uh, uh, executor who's in charge of that stuff for that fiction, and uh, and. Uh, on uh, several occasions, uh, I didn't even bother going to the trial, and there was no uh, warrant for my arrest. Well, one way to do it now for me to do that to acknowledge the existence of the Secretary of State acknowledges the state. It acknowledges the Fourteenth Amendment. Well, you're and I don't do that. You don't have a birth certificate. I'm talking for the people that when you go into those courts, they want the fictional entity. They cannot – those courts cannot hear the, the man, any man, living man. You could go in as a living man. You could have everything perfect. You could have everything made by the most highest-paid attorney in the world and present those documents, everything perfect. And they'll still rule against you. You know Why? Because you don't have any standing. You don't have any jurisdiction, so you go right to the nine hundred plus and say, "Wait a minute! No, all this is a bill of attainder taking a property without judicial here. process." You don't have any standing in their courts. They cannot no, get hear that. you as a living man, can they? I get that, and I'm saying to the nine hundred plus, "That's a bill of attainder." I don't care which way it is, Article One, Section Nine or Ten, taking a property without judicial process. That's the issue I want to get ruled on in a setting. They're like not judges. They're not judges in those courts. They're only administrators. And the, no and the more judges. Court, they don't yes. even need oaths of offices because they're not judges. They're just administrators. Yes. See, and now my subpoena packets are asking just those types of questions and, and challenging all the judges to recuse themselves on the basis of what you just said and what I know. They don't have any authority. Right. And you set the record with that issue. And not only that, there's a, a gentleman, I, 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 uh, a very nice gentleman that uh, uh, from Louisiana. He uh, suggested that I ask him to provide the uh, government letter, the IRS government letter. And it says uh, the government letter is the subdivision to provide proof that you are, in fact, a, sub, a government or a subdivision of government. And if you don't have it, if they don't provide it to you, that, that's prima facie evidence that they don't have any judicial or any law enforcement powers whatsoever. And they're actually a private organization operating for profit. If they don't have that government letter, they're not even a government. That's what you're dealing with. They're private operations operating for profit. Okay. It's slavery. Yeah, it is. And they're running off the birth certificate. Okay, but we have to move on. We still have two people with their hands up, and we only have uh, so one thing. Is your, Thank uh, you for calling is in. Is your email we'll talk more in then, your email? I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead, what? Email about it's uh, winincourt at gmail.com. We're going to have a lot no, more no, talk no, no, about No, 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 no. For Angela. Angela, is yours oh. a CA.RR in your email? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. I sent you an email. 
Yeah, Thanks. we'll pick it up too. Thank you for checking in. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Okay. All right. Next up is uh, let's see here. Next up is five. What? Four one five. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Uh oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you still there? Bill, are you still there? Oh, I'm still here. Oh, okay. All right. And then I don't know what happened, I guess. Um, hmm. Okay. <laughs> 570, go ahead. You've been unmuted. Uh, you have uh, you have me again. Uh, you, uh... Oh, okay. I don't know. You got your hand. Oh, yeah. You see, when I unmute someone, the hand stays up. It doesn't go down. No, no. I, I, go I, down. I, 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 oh. I, didn't know if I got did through, it. so I call. I raised my hand two times, maybe. That's it. it, oh. it so that's. Okay. I was wondering about that. Okay. But I want to. I want to thank you, Angela, for your show. And, oh, uh, I, my I, pleasure. I, I'd appreciate people uh, consider that uh, what I said that you're not. You're not the defendant ever. You are not. The, they want the birth oh. certificate entity. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. By the way, I'll get back to you about that Supreme Court case if I find it about birth certificates. I'm not aware of one, but I will be yeah. tomorrow and see what I can come up with. Okay, we have someone else with their hand up. 408. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, Angela, it's Rich. How are you? Hi, Rich. God, you yeah, should have came on we... yourself. For some reason, it's well, just giving hey, me the number. They're not, they're not, they're not taking my... Uh, you know, my passphrase, so I don't know what's going oh. on. Anyway, um, yeah, I have a question. Is uh, is jaywalking a crime? Yeah, I wondered about myself. I couldn't address the merits because I would have said, geez, I've been crossing the street since the first Eisenhower administration. <laughs> Hasn't been a problem. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is jaywalking a crime? Well, they do have a vehicle code statute for it, assuming that the vehicle code is, applies to jaywalk Is jaywalking a crime, yes or no? Well, they just levy the fine on me for $90, so you figure out... I mean, wait, 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 fine, right, fine. I ask if jaywalking is a crime. Well, multiple Were you a questions... <laughs> If you don't sir, show up were you a trial, in theory, they can issue a warrant against you for willful failure to appear, which is one. Sir, were you accused of a crime? In terms of a common law criminal court, of course not. Not even close. <laughs> Look at this is really this is really simple. Jaywalking is a crime or it's not. Which one is it? You know, pick now, it's one. a statutory offense. You can make of that what you will. <sighs> okay. No, I'm asking you. You're the guest, and you're you're rep you're making material representations here. And you said that uh, you were accused of jaywalking. And what you want to do is you want to expose or uh, you know point out what's going on in traffic court. Well, so do I. So I'm asking you, were you accused of a crime? Well, I'm not sure how you define it, but I was in there charged with an offense, okay. and I showed up. Okay, you know, I don't okay. Is, is the offense you were charged with a crime? 
Well, no. Put it this way: the people no. of the state of California no. were the plaintiffs. No. No, it's not a crime. What is it? An infraction or something else? Very, very, very good. Okay, it's an infraction. There's only three types of wrongdoing identified in California on the criminal side. Three. That's it. Felony, misdemeanor, and infraction. Okay, that's three types of wrongdoing on the criminal side. Okay, so the question arises, are fine-only offenses of the vehicle code a crime, yes or no? No. Well, Angela's right. And multi, multi-part, because if you fail to appear, they issue a warrant for your Wait a, willful failure. That is just, a crime. Just a mu- no, oh, oh, well, you, you got two different allegations. You got the allegation that got you to court, and if you don't show up, that's contempt of court. And yeah, it, you know, you, you might get a bench warrant, okay? But I asked about jaywalking. Is jaywalking a crime? I'm not talking not, about not failure to I appear. They're not, okay? Because according to the Court of Appeals in 1987, infractions are not crimes. Okay? That's the only court case in California history that contains those four words. Infractions are not crimes. So here's a question for you. Speaking of standing, um, if, if, uh, if you haven't been accused of a crime... Is the arraignment judicial officer authorized to receive a plea? Now, there was no arraignment, number one. Number two, when the traffic commissar entered that plea, I put in a written notice of objection. To wait, 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 wait a minute. Were you, were you in, a, in a traffic court somewhere? Well, for the first appearance, yes, and I had documents with me, and okay. I said you can't uh, okay. enter a plea. I don't care about your documents. Did you go to a, a, a court at some point after you were issued the paper citing a jaywalking violation? Yeah, but the first thing I did was try to file Stop papers. right. Okay. Oh, 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 I, I, don't, I don't care about that. The very first Damn, stop well, sure, court is... If they don't have jurisdiction... They denied my right to speedy trial, and I made an oral motion, which got denied, by the way. But I know I appeared in cases of people of Morris v. Superior Court right out of the 1st Appellate District. Yeah, yeah, my question is, did you you appear in a courtroom and a judicial officer inform you you were accused of jaywalking and then ask you how you wanted to plead? Did that occur? Well, no, there was no judicial officer anywhere in sight. That's a legislative tribunal. That's did did did, did anybody? Did you did you go to a court someplace after you were issued the paper citing jaywalking and stand before someone uh, wearing a black robe? Hmm. Do you have a black robe on that? I'm not sure about that. But traffic commissar, he knows me very well, by the way. That okay. Okay. You, well, okay. Okay. Okay, so was the was the government employee you stood in front of uh, a, a commissioner or a pro tem or a judge? 
No, this is a traffic commissary. He's been there for years. I've been before him several times in other cases, and we walk so it's out a, of it's a, it's a, it's a commi- It's a commissioner. Is that correct? Yeah, well, commissary. You can call him what you want, but uh, I, I, yeah, no, no, I no, sir, no, no, sir. I'm not making anything up. I'm using the words that the legislature provided. That's the lawmaking body of government, and they huh, they the use the word the legislature they use the word commissioner, not commissar. This isn't Russia. They do what they damn well please. The legislature doesn't exist. They haven't been lawfully elected. They need to be appointed by the president under the appointment clause. Well, that's really wonderful, but right now you're in the middle of a shitstorm and you don't know what you're doing. Okay? Now you go to an Don't you tell me that. You went to the United States here right out of a traffic court for a jaywalking conviction. You went to an arraignment where a judicial officer, going by the title commissioner, read the charge. The charge was jaywalking. You either entered a plea or you didn't. Did you enter a plea after you were read I stood the mute like the Supreme Court of the United there, States. Said okay, I, very good. Okay, so you stood mute, and then you were eventually uh, fined. Is that correct? Well, I had a trial date, and I almost didn't go. I'm glad I did, given what ensued there. But um, there was a quote-unquote okay. trial, but it got transferred, and the commissar disqualified himself. I ended up in superior court. Outstanding. There. Terrific. Okay, were you uh, okay? So the trial that you went to was it a civil or criminal trial? Hmm. It can be seen in both lights. Certainly, I'm going to be, you know, have at least a fine levied, if not more than that, and possibly face contempt citations, <laughs> depending my conduct in court. No, so there's only two types of on there's. No, 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 you can't. There's only two types of actions recognized in California, civil and criminal. So you either were in the middle of a lawsuit or a criminal action. Okay? I'm here to tell you that what happens in traffic court is criminal. It's a criminal trial. Okay? An arraignment is an aspect of a criminal action. You don't get arraigned when you're sued. There is no guilty or not guilty when you're sued by somebody. That's a civil matter. In a criminal act, if you've been accused of a crime and you want your day in court rather than just pay it, uh, there will be an arraignment. That's the very first thing you go to. And that's where the charge is read, where you're then offered, you know, the option of entering the plea of your choice. If you stand mute, then the judicial officer uh, is authorized to enter a plea of not guilty. So no, the trial not. you are Penal at... Code section 1024, absolutely not. Been on the books 150 years with no case law. Can okay. you tell me why uh, that uh, is? Uh, uh, okay, very good. Well, we both know that if you stand mute, they're going to enter a not guilty plea anyway. So regardless of whatever's written down. So I, I agree with you. Thank how is he going to do that? Is he my attorney? I, 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 I know. I, I, I get it. Let, let's... Let's just can we just focus on the trial? You went to a trial, it's a criminal trial. Here's the question Were you accused of a crime? Well, again, where I come from and the jurisdiction I'm in, no, but you have the people of the state of California, the plaintiff, who don't exist. Wait a minute. 
you, 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 the people of the state of California did not prefer a charge. You were issued a piece of paper with the words notice to appear on it. Is that correct? Yeah, initially at the scene of the crime, and I signed that. Okay, uh, uh, okay, uh, uh, okay, okay. So did the DA file a complaint? No, the bastard no, never they... got involved, and I sent them a bill. Okay, so do you see what happened? So you were issued a piece of paper with, with the word notice on it, and on that piece of paper you didn't see the words people of the state of California versus you, did you? Not at that time, no. No, that's because, so you're standing there at a trial having not been served with a complaint stating any cause of action. Is that correct? Yeah, and yet they had a case number. It wasn't a citation number that was on the court docket. Case number. And that didn't yeah, exist I, 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 I California. So, they didn't so, exist. So, uh, well, that, that's really wonderful. <laughs> but, but I think there's, you, there, there's an oversight here. Number one, uh, a cop alleged something. Now, either what the cop alleged was a crime or it wasn't. If it's an infraction, the cop did not allege a crime. Infractions are not crimes, so you weren't accused of a crime, okay? So if you weren't accused of a crime, what are you doing standing in a criminal courtroom? How, 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 how did that happen? because I know what the hell I'm doing, and I knew I could get that case directly from a jaywalking okay. ticket to the Supreme Court of the United States and get some real answers here. Well, okay, I would like a real answer. Is jaywalking a crime? You said not where you, where you come from. Well, if you're from California, then you and I come from the same place, and infractions are not crimes, and they never have been. However, they are being processed criminally, not civilly. Okay? So here's the question. Is, is an arraignment, whoever is wearing the black robe at arraignment, are they authorized to receive a plea when no crime has been led? Oh, okay, great. So, so, so here, here's, something, here's something for you. Um, if objection now, are we in agreement that what the cop did when when the cop confronted you is an arrest? Uh, you get into a lot of Fourth Amendment, Supreme Court case law crap on look, that. Look, I don't care. Look, look, look at look at look 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 at the Fourth Amendment has nothing to do with this. It right, has it to do with it has to do with what the cop did. Now, what did the legislature identify that contact, contact as? A cop contacted you. How did the legislature, you claim doesn't exist, how did they identify the contact by the cop? Yeah, don't know, don't care. Um, I don't care. How about how about looking at, if you look in the vehicle code, they, they want to throw the book at you, the vehicle code, right? Well, wouldn't it be cool to throw it right back at them? You know what's interesting about the vehicle code is in the vehicle code itself is the word that the legislature provided that identifies what the cop did. Not only that, but they provided the rules that apply to the cop when they do that. So in the vehicle code, 
beginning at section 40300, et cetera, you'll see arrest procedures. Now, you want to poo-poo that, that's fine. But in my world, which is California, that's a very significant issue because I know this for a fact. I have personal knowledge of this. Policemen, law enforcement employees, are prohibited from arresting and imprisoning for non-criminal conduct. Well, guess what? Infractions of the vehicle code are not crimes. However, when you are stopped, what people call a traffic stop, uh, is technically, and the word provided by the legislature, is arrest. So everybody who's being pulled over right now is being subjected to an arrest. And if it's for an infraction, they're being arrested for non-criminal conduct. Okay, so far so good. I get that part. I vote things a little differently, but I get that part. No problem. Good. Well, if you've you've been subjected to a warrantless arrest for non-criminal conduct, what's your argument? Well, it's a big one because in this arrest, I almost got arrested for not having any photo identification. And if this hadn't been a nice kid, it was a nice confrontation, but it had been a, a, a law enforcement with attitude, I'd still be in jail for not having did, a did, photo ID when I'm walking on the street. Did, did, what are they yeah, going to charge me? Would that be? Would that be criminal? Yeah, yeah. Did, did, did you understand the question? Did you understand? I said, if I got arrested for not having okay, photo okay, ID so, walking on the street, would that be a criminal charge? No, 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 no. Oh, well, actually, no. But But the question was, what would be your argument if you were arrested without a warrant for non-criminal conduct? What is your argument? What's your defense? Yeah, we probably have a different view on that because I go for the big win here, and I'm saying if California is a territory and not a state, and I can prove it, there's no authority across the board, none. Okay, well, if the cop, uh, look, you're talking about dirt, and I'm talking about your employee. If there's no rule for your employee to follow, then what is your argument? Well, one of them is, and if I would have gotten my papers submitted, and now I'm doing subpoenas, I'm going to get Moonbeam Jerry Brown in there and ask him how come he isn't responding to his duty to see the laws fully executed. You're kidding me. So you, no, you, no, I'm at, not at, 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 at trial, when you were at trial, did you did you examine your accuser? Absolutely not. I flat out, I said, Judge, I can't do it. The Supreme Court has told me if I do okay. that, I waive my jurisdictional arguments. Case is Albrecht Great. v. United States, two seventy three U.S. one. So, so you're 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 going to run this up on appeal? Is that correct? No, not on appeal. I'm going to take an original writ of habeas corpus. There's no appeal. Okay, so you're going straight over to the federal side. Is that correct? Not just the federal side. The Supreme Court original jurisdiction. Dude, dude you're impossible. You're going you, you're, you're to have you're, you're gonna have a great career as a politician. Hey, Angela, thank you very much. This guy, is, thank you. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. Fucking idiot. Okay, next up. Ah. Texas Mountain, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. I just want to say that I don't appreciate Rick hijacking a phone call. He's on Rich? 
Well, he was trying to make a point. He's, I guess he wanted yeah, he to will. pursue it. He's made it. Well, that's the last so time, by the way, I'll be times, talking to him. Okay. All right. Is that it? Anything times. else? Because we have another person with their hand up. Sure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Next up is 575. Go ahead, 575. You've been unmuted. Uh, yes, I just want to say how good the call is. This is Donaldson. Everybody is oh, good. Great. Oh, my God. <sighs> God. Okay. Well, uh, we've gone beyond our two hours. Bill, uh, oh. that was a real workout there at the end, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I probably don't want much to do with that individual in the future. He has no concept whatsoever of what I'm doing. None. Typical law school graduate, probably. This is what I deal with. They don't teach him. Well, you can tell him from me, he must be a doppelganger of Matthew Peterson. Check out his YouTube video on his, his Senate hearing to be appointed a federal judge. It was so bad, he had to resign before Trump could fire him. This is what we have in law school these days. Well, anyway, oh, I don't wow. want to get started on that, but good. Thanks again for, you know, and when I have news, and news is going to start to come quickly here um, on the office. Yeah. Again, I'll get their filing and the Merced case probably before Labor Day and the Solano case after Labor Day. And now they're going to have to respond. And when we start beating them on the motions to dismiss, that's when things start to change. Now they can't okay. do it anymore. That's I've invested my whole life, and this guy is telling me I'm an idiot. And yet no. here I am. I'm the one quoting the case all the citations and everything else. I didn't hear anything from him. Damn. So oh, don't get me started. Goodness. Anyway, really pleasant experience as always here. I'm glad to have had the time to do it. And me too. They go along. There's a lot going on here. You'll get updated before the end of the week. About all right, very good. Here, so you'll be up to speed. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Bill. I appreciate your time and energy and coming on oh, and sharing you your so stuff with us. I appreciate it okay. very much. Thank you. And everybody, I appreciate right. you too. And I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Oh, wait, Money Mike has something to say here. Where'd you go? There you are. Go ahead, Money Mike. Did you want to tell anybody about a call you're going to have or something? Uh, hello? Where'd he go? My goodness. Go there ahead, go. Mike. There okay. you go. Uh, if anyone wants to come over, uh, I can, you know, we can uh, keep talking about this if you wish. One four two three zero six. I'll be open one for a couple hours. One four two three zero six. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. And I also just wants to say, Bill Henschel, uh, uh it wasn't too bad what happened between you and Rich. I mean, uh, it, it, this is the kind of thing that can actually happen in court. Yeah, it's good for the uh, everybody to listen to could, that going could, back and forth like that. I think yeah, you so could too. you could think of this as a role play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, Very know, good. Yeah. Take the positive as best uh -huh. as you all can, and uh, it wasn't too bad. And Rich, no. uh, you know, I just think you know think you were we're in certain ways, but hey, uh, you know when you you know when you do that, hey, that you know I I had a jaywalking mm -hmm. thing happen. You know, a couple of years ago, I was working, trying to work on it, but you know what? I, I'll tell you what. If I if I was able to, I would I would uh, I would try to get your ass over here right now to San Antonio and uh, we try to work something out here with this jaywalking uh, thing on my own. There I mean, you go. <laughs> but yeah. you know that, that is in the past. But you know, but just uh, you know, I'm just uh, giving a little shout out to both of y'all. You all are all, all right. right. 
Thank you, Mike. Have a great call. Okay, everybody. It's been fun. I love you. Take care of each other. And um, I wanted to say something. What did I want to say? Oh, check out our website, myprivateaudio.com. Check out the guest speakers pages and um, all the good stuff that's on there. And um, I guess that's it. Stay cool, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.